Hey everyone, I'm Renee Bennett. Consider me the girl next door, having conversations that will help challenge and shape your worldview in a culture that has turned our moral compass upside down and inside out. To chat with me further, come join me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. No topics are off limits. I'm really glad you're here. Now, on to today's episode. Guys, 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 I have got a crazy topic today that I never, ever, 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 ever thought in a million years I would be talking about on Girl Next Door. Hold on to your flipping seatbelts, guys. But before I do, can I please say a really huge thank you to all of you? We have just well and truly passed the 200,000 download mark, which I'm really proud of um, and so thankful for because I don't like do sponsored ads or advertise this. So that's really just purely you guys sharing and listening and sending it along to other people. So thank you very much, guys. I appreciate it so much. And keep on writing those five-star reviews on Apple as well. Um, It just helps um, the podcast to be seen. And not because I want to grow the listenership for any other reason other than Like this world is just getting crazier and crazier and I just want to be able to help people navigate it and get through life with a good set of values, right? Um, And, you know, kind of like survive all the craziness and know how to talk about the craziness. Uh, And honestly, the topic for today, you probably have already seen the heading, but guys, men's sperm count soon to hit zero. I never, ever, ever would have thought that we would be talking about sperm. I can't even believe I'm saying it, but this is actually, um, it it is too big of a deal for us not to talk about. I am absolutely so shocked by what I uh, have been researching and that I'll be passing on to you guys today. And the fact that there just seems to be silence around this is just even more mind-blowing to me. And so if we can raise awareness and start having the conversation and you guys start having the conversation in your world, then I think that's super important because when there is something as absolutely crazy concerning as this is, we just have to talk about it. So I can't even remember how I found this out, but someone or somehow it came across my table to Google, what will the sperm count be in 2045? So guys, I want you just to like pause right now and go do that. Go and put into your Google search, sperm count 2045. Okay. Now I could not believe what I read. I was literally mortified. I'm like, this has to be a mistake, right? Now, you know me, I'm like, Google is not always the truth because if you also look up some other stuff about Google, like what's a female, then, you know, interesting stuff comes up. So I didn't just believe what Google said. I went on a little bit more of a deep dive, but unfortunately, Google apparently is telling the truth on this one. So when you pop that in, I literally just put in, I've got a screenshot of it here. I just put in sperm count 2045 and literally the first thing that comes up, zero. And then it says underneath, sperm counts are set to reach zero in 2045. 
And then you know how if you scroll a bit like there's a little section that says people also ask and there's all these like common questions that people ask on the topic and you can hit on one. So one of the questions underneath was, will most couples be infertile by 2045? And this was the little answer. If you follow the curve from the 2017 sperm decline meta-analysis, it predicts that by 2045, we will have a median sperm count of zero. It is speculative to extrapolate, but there is also no evidence that it is tapering off. This means that, and then this part's highlighted, most couples may have to use assisted reproduction. Okay, so this is just not normal, right? Like, am I the only one that's going, what the heck? Like, we are made to reproduce, right? Like, that's how humanity keeps going. And when anything can't reproduce right, then you say that they are endangered. And then if it really gets bad and uh, it goes beyond endangered, they become extinct, right? Like, that's the normal trajectory, So humans are created to reproduce and here they are predicting a sperm count of zero. I have got so many questions right now and I'm sure you do. Uh, You know, for me straight away, I'm like, okay, hang on a second. Can this prediction be correct? Like, how did they arrive at this, right? Like, is this just alarmism? Um, You know, at what rates has male sperm count gone down in the past few decades? Like, and then why, right? Like, what is the cause of this? And does anyone care? Like, why aren't we hearing more about this? Like, why isn't this being more uh, widely reported? And mostly, can we do anything to stop it? So I just had all these questions going around and around and around. And so I've done a stack of research. So we're going to hit up four questions today. We're going to break today into four parts. Number one, we will look at what has been happening to sperm count the last few decades. Number two, what do they think are the causes for the decline? Number three, why isn't this being given any attention? And number four, what can we do about it? So they're the four things we're going to look at, right? Because for me, this is just not good enough to go, oh, oh, well, you know, it doesn't matter because we can just go and do IVF. We can just have assisted fertility, right? Like that is not an acceptable answer. Something guys is very, very wrong here. This should not be happening. So, you know, we're talking humans. Like if I'm going to talk to you a bit later about a particular animal that's endangered and the links that society are going through to save this animal. But when we're talking about humans, it's just like nothing, right? You hear absolutely nothing. All right. So let's start with number one. And obviously, I've got uh, a lot of articles that I've been looking at. I might not necessarily be citing them all, um, but feel free to ask me on social media if you want uh, links to any of these. But number one, what has been happening to sperm count over the last few decades? So let's have a look at that. So according to various articles um, that have been reporting on these particular studies, sperm count has actually more than halved in the last 40 years, all right? It didn't just halve over a small period of time. It wasn't just like a little decline and then it tapered off. No, it has kept on going. So there was a study done 
between 1973 and 2011. And it was found that the concentration of sperm of men in Western countries has fallen by an average of 1.4% every year. So from 1973 to 2011, that was an overall drop of 52% these articles. Now, these studies apparently that this has been based on are pretty accurate because they've drawn on 185 different studies across 43,000 men, right? So to break this down a bit more, in 1973, sperm concentration was 99 million per mil. Can you, how amazing is God, right? Like one little milliliter of, of semen, I hate saying the word, contains 99 million sperm, right, in 1973. But by 2011, that had dropped to 47.1 mil, sorry, 47.1 million per mil. Now, one of the reasons we don't hear a lot is because apparently um, a woman can still get pregnant as long as the count is over about 40 million, right? So, like, okay, that's fine up until 2011, but clearly this is on a trajectory where it's continuing to go down. Now, some skeptics, so if you want to go, oh, yes, Renee, but I've Googled this and and there are some skeptics. Well, guess what? I had a look at that too. And they say that these tests are not trustworthy enough. So they actually went ahead and did more tests, which I'll talk about in a minute, where they did some testing from uh, they they re-had a, look, re-had a look at all the data from 73 to 2011, and then they started a whole new bunch of tests. But before I go on to that, some people, the skeptics said, oh no, ideally what you would have to do is test 10,000 of the same 18-year-olds from one country every year for the next 20 to 30 years, right? So that's what they're saying. No, you've really got to kind of like test the same amount of 18-year-olds for 20 to 30 years, and then maybe we'll believe you. But I find this really ironic and hypocritical that they suggest that the data that was collected over 34 years, by the way, is not accurate, right? Right. Because I've seen them make other health, major health decisions for people globally without going to those lengths. So it's funny that they're saying, no, we need to do more data on this. And yet other things that they are forcing down people's throats, um, they have not done anywhere near the kind of research that they're suggesting. Let me give you a recent example. I've talked about this before, and I'm going to talk about it again because I've done a lot more research into this. But the HPV vaccine, right? The cervical cancer vaccine that was rolled out across Australia, US, UK, and many other countries in the world. Do you think that they collected data for 20 to 30 years to test the efficacy and safety of the HPV vaccine? Nope, of course not. They tested it for, wait for it, guys, wait for it. Hang on, here it comes. They tested it for an entire four years. Wow four years. And based on that small amount of time, they make the big claim that the HPV vaccines will almost eradicate cervical cancer. What a load of baloney. How do they know that? They have zero long-term data to make that claim. And yet here we are rolling our kids out, boys and girls across the world to go and get this vaccine that they do not have enough data to know whether it's efficacious or 
um, or safe. So, you know, yet here we have 185 studies across 43,000 men and all the observation that's gone over 34 years and that's still not good enough for the skeptics. But like I said, they did go ahead and do more studies. So there was a landmark paper in 2017, and guess what? It got worse. It revealed that the sperm count after that is now declining at an even more accelerated rate of 2.4%. So remember before it was declining at 1.4%. Now, guys, it is declining at a 2.4% rate, and this is throughout all parts of the world. So it's a no-brainer when, you know, these articles are obviously correlating the falling sperm count with the world's plunging fertility rates. So many are asking for this to be recognized as a major public health problem because this is crucial for the survival of the human species. Because if the rates of decline remain the same on the same trajectory, that they have been on since 1973, then that is how they are making the claim that by 2045, it is going to reach zero. Now, what is just as concerning is that men's sperm count is also indicative of their overall health, which means that not only is their sperm count declining, but men's health in general is on a rapid decline. So the implications of this are that by 2045, couples will no longer be able to conceive naturally. It will be a very rare couple who will be able to get pregnant without the assistance of something like IVF. So guys, we're actually a generation away from losing the ability to reproduce naturally. The downward slope also of this decline is absolutely unwavering. Like even the researchers themselves, they ran the numbers again and again. So when they redid this, they looked back at the data from 73 to 2011. Then they looked at new data, uh, which by the way, they included new countries. Their first time they only included, I think it was Europe, Australia, and maybe the UK. They included a lot more countries and it was exactly the same. Uh, right around the world that, you know, all of the sperm, remember, it didn't just decline at a 1.4%. And not only was it unwavering, but it actually accelerated in its decline up to 2.4%. All right. So that's number one, having a look at what's been happening the last few decades. Number two, what could be the causes for this decline? I mean, go Google it, right? And pretty much every time you Google that, it'll be something like, well, we don't really know, but. So they're not sure what the main drivers are. I mean, wouldn't you think there'd be a whole heap of research around this because this is so concerning? Now, I looked up a medical journal, right? PubMed, which you've probably all heard of. And this is what PubMed said in their summary about it. There exists substantial data to suggest a decline in sperm counts over time. Although causative factors have yet to be fully elucidated, potential causes include increased rates of obesity, poor diet and exposure 
to environmental toxins. Now, I couldn't unlock that whole article. You've got to like be a member. But I looked through article after article, and while they discussed the very clear sperm decline, the reasons were like these random stabs in the dark that they just kind of gave a little bit of airtime to at the end of each article. Now, News 18, that was one article I found that cited, and I'll quote, While the cause of the decline in sperm count and concentrations couldn't be pinpointed, the possible causes mentioned were pollution, drugs, smoking, plastics, and prescribed medication. Lifestyle issues such as obesity and poor diet have also been included in the various factors contributing to the problem. But guys, then I found a really great article on gc.com. No, GG, sorry, GG.com. Now, the author of this article, written in 2018, went and interviewed the uh, a lady called Shanna Swan. Okay, now she was the one that did the initial, along with a bunch of other people, did the initial study from 73 to 2011. She is a reproductive epidemiologist and one of the lead authors of the study. Now, what she also did, which was interesting, was to take this journalist to a hospital and research institution in Copenhagen, where he also spoke to an 82-year-old pediatric endocrinologist who founded the Department of Growth and Reproduction in that hospital. So you're not going to get anyone more experienced than those two people. His name was Skakabek. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, but it looks like Skakabek. Now, Skakabek told him, and this is where we finally get some answers on what the causes are. So he said to him, now remember, he's 82, he's very experienced. He said that male reproduction and fertility are in a full-blown crisis. And he said that in Denmark, where he is, there's an epidemic of infertility and already more than 20% of Danish men do not father children. Now, this elderly doctor said that he first started seeing uh, and realizing there were issues back in the 70s when he began even back then to realize that this problem is happening. And this is what he said. It is happening before men are even born. So he said this decline in sperm is actually happening in utero as the male fetus is developing in the womb. Now, there are scientists who now are starting to agree more and more on the cause, right? And while stress and smoking and obesity and diet and all those other things do depress sperm count, they are all beginning to agree they are not the main culprit. Guess what they're starting to suspect? The Industrial Revolution is the main driving force. So in other words, in short... We are now ingesting a whole host of compounds and chemicals that are affecting our hormones. So, you know, with the Industrial Revolution came a chemical revolution, right, which started at the beginning of the 19th century and escalated after World War II, when there were hundreds of new chemicals that came onto the markets within a very short time frame. Now, while this chemical revolution gave us some wonderful things like new medicine and new food sources and faster and cheaper mass production of all sorts of necessary products... It also gave us a living experiment on the human body with no forethought or research into the effect that this would have on us. And now it's like, whoops-a-daisy. 
So it is very well known that chemicals affect our hormones. These are known as endocrine disruptors. So an example would be the compounds used that make plastic softer or that make plastic harder. Those chemicals are known. So think of the water bottle that you drink, right? That you drink your water from. They're known as endocrine disruptors. Now, if you're exposed to these in utero, um, and then with a mother who already has high amounts of all of these disruptors already in her system, then a growing, you know, developing male fetus reproduction system is altered. So as this fetus is growing inside their mother, the fetus is being exposed just through the mother's lifestyle, plus the mother already has, uh, you know, obviously been living a whole lifetime with these chemicals, right? And so, so as the baby, as the male's reproduction system is developing, it's being altered because of these chemical altering, um, sorry, the hormone altering chemicals. Now, the problem that we've got here, guys, is that these chemicals are everywhere, right? Now, I looked up the list of the worst offenders, and the worst offenders are plastic bottles, food containers, receipts. Guys, don't get receipts. Boys, don't put receipts in your pockets. Stop touching receipts, right? The coating on pills. Uh, you know, you, you're talking like your Nurofen, you're talking about even your supplements, like all of that, nutritional supplements, medical devices, detergents, packaging, pharmaceuticals, nail polish, hairspray, um, also the tubing that processes food. So there are small amounts of these hormone disrupting chemicals, even in like milk and yogurt and sauces and soups and pasta and rice and water. Now, on top of this, according to this um, elderly pediatrician, he said it's accumulative as well, meaning that um, it's also inherited. So while a sperm count that might be lowered by obesity, that can't be passed on from father to son, but some of the chemical change, the way that the chemicals change the genes, the way that the genes are expressed are passed on right? So you've got this poor baby in the womb that's just being exposed all the time, plus the mother, plus then the baby's born and they're constantly being exposed. And so it's just like this, this like a snowball effect where it's accumulating more and more and more in our systems. So the author of this article thought, okay, well, now that I've gone to visit these guys, I've gone to the source of these studies, I'm going to go to the 13th International Symposium on Spermatology, and that took place in May of 2018. Now, the interesting thing about this symposium is you've got some of the professors and doctors that were there knew about these studies and are like, oh my gosh, we're in a crisis. And then um, the, the rest of them are really skeptical about it, right? So just remember that going into this. So anyway, I don't know how this journalist got there, but they did. Um, and he went to this welcome dinner and he met a guy called Haggai Levine. Uh, now, he is the Israeli co-author of this study as well, okay? So Levine, who's like young, youngish, 40, uh, told this author, we've really got reasons to worry. And I'll quote what he said. He said, I'm saying that we should hope for the best and prepare for the worst. And that is the possibility that we will become extinct. That's a possibility we must seriously consider. 
I'm not saying it's going to happen, he said. I'm not saying it's likely to happen. I'm not saying that's the prediction. I'm just saying we should be prepared for such a possibility. That's all, and we are not. So that was his view. Now, this Professor Levine continued his argument, uh, and he was saying, look, my default, if I don't know, is that it is up to the manufacturers of chemicals to prove that their chemicals are safe. But I don't feel like I need any more evidence to take action with chemicals already known to disrupt the endocrine system. So the other thing that came out of that, and I think that's a good point that he's making, right? He's like, I shouldn't have to prove to you guys anymore that these chemicals are disrupting particularly male hormones. They are. We've got enough evidence to suggest that. But how about we flip it and all of the manufacturers have to prove that their chemicals are safe, but no one's asking them to do that. Now, even by the end, according to the author of this article on gg.com, the skeptics at that symposium were scared. And so he was like, okay, if the skeptics are scared, we should all be scared. Now, can I just add in here, guys, and from the research that I've been doing, there's one thing that no one's kind of really hit on here. And I do want to talk about this on later episodes, but all of the vaccines that we have had since we were children are full of adjuvants, right? So what are adjuvants? Well, these are chemicals that basically help to preserve and to deliver the vaccines into our body. And these adjuvants have many, many known adverse reactions. And yet our Australian government not only has ignored that fact, but they've actually increased the immunization schedule in this country from the seven or eight that I had as a child in the 1970s to now, um, apparently, and I need to research this a little bit more myself, to over 17. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to have 17 needles in your arm, but you know how they're mixing a whole heap now? Like you might have one vaccine, but there's five things in it. There's over 70 different things now um, that uh, that a child through to their young adult years are exposed to via vaccines. And all of them have chemicals in them called adjuvants. So it's just an observation, but isn't that the exact time frame that the decline of sperm has been happening, right? So for me, I'm like, well, that's just yet another cocktail of chemicals. Um, we might not be ingesting them, but we're injecting them and parents are not told. And there's no, well, there's enough research to suggest there's a lot of adverse reactions, but have we really looked at, are they affecting fertility? All right. So that brings us to question number three. Why is this not being given any attention? Like this is really kind of surprising to me. Like there's no media attention. There's no government attention. There's no government health expert attention on this. Like nothing. So I was scrambling to find stuff. I'm like, surely the WHO, WHO, the World Health Organization, surely they've got something to say or the governments around the world, or like maybe even our state premiers, right? Who like, aren't they worried about our health? I thought they just locked us all down and, you know, made us wear masks and took our jobs away if we didn't take their vaccine because they're so concerned about our health, right? So, Anyway, I thought surely they've got something to say about this because this is really concerning. So the only research that I could find 
was on the Australian Bureau of Statistics. It's the only thing where anything came up. And that made me even more concerned because they had an article from 2021, not so long ago, saying that Australian fertility rate has hit a record low. That is literally the only thing I could find. And so I looked up, well, Queensland Health, have they got anything to say? Nothing. What about the WHO? Nothing. Um, What about Bill Gates? Like, surely he's got something, right? Like, he's kindly vaccinating the world right now. He must care, but nope. Not only did he not care, but then I found another thing, which was that he's just boosted funding with another $1.2 million uh, to a particular company to research um, actually finding a male contraceptive pill. So I'm like, okay, well, Bill doesn't care. He actually doesn't want more babies on the planet. He must want less because he wants male contraception now. So I just couldn't find any of the people that are meant to be our health experts have not said anything about this. And so for me, I'm actually, I, I, I don't normally say this on the podcast, but I'm actually feeling like something's really wrong and I'm really concerned. So my alarm bells are going off, right? Now, what makes them go off even more? Um, I don't know if you guys know where I live in Brisbane, but I actually live two roads away, two streets away from a koala sanctuary. And there's a whole channel of land behind us that's completely protected because it's home to the koalas. So I thought, okay, I know that koalas are endangered. Let's jump on and have a look at what they're saying about how we should protect our koalas. I literally could not believe our council website has an entire section dedicated to their protection because they're endangered. Here's some of the things they're telling us that we need to do. We should be driving more slowly. We need to call the Daisy Hill Koala Ambulance if we see a sick koala, which did happen in the school I was teaching at, actually. We had to call that ambulance. Guys, I kid you not, there's an actual koala ambulance, right, dedicated to sick koalas. If we see them at night, we have to slow down, dim our lights, and toot our horn. Now, I kid you not on this one. We are meant to place an escape ramp or rope in our pools in case a koala falls in so it can get out. Sorry, I don't have one in my pool. Then we're also asked to place a post against our fences so that a koala has a safe route out of our yard. We are to manage our dogs so they don't don't attack, and we should be planting koala-friendly trees in our yard. We have got koala carers. We've got environmental events to raise awareness. The council have even bought up extra land to, to safely house our koalas. They've also made us take surveys about koalas, and we are encouraged to show concern about the well-being of koalas. Now, guys, I love koalas except for the noise they make that can sound very demonic. They're really cute. But what about our men? Do you reckon they're just like a little bit more important here? Like their sperm is about to hit zero, guys. That means the potential extinction of the human race unless we use assisted reproduction, right? Like natural conception, they're saying, is about to become a thing of the past. And yet they're saying nothing, nada, zero, zip. And, you know, a part of me is like, this can't, This cannot be real. Like, surely those statistics are wrong. But like I said before, they have been following this since 1973. And it's unwavering. So there's more on the internet about looking after the environment and endangered species and our climate than there is about our men and our future children. And as if 
the last few years haven't made me suspicious enough, this alone should make every single one of us like our alarm bells going ding, ding, ding. Okay, so let's talk about finally, what are we told to do about it or what can we do about it? So according to most websites, apparently there's not much. A few of them will say exercise, eat fresh fruit and nuts and veggies, try and avoid plastics, but they also say that's pretty impossible. Keep your weight in control. That's it. That's literally the advice that we're given. We are told to do more for our koalas. We are given more instructions on minimizing our carbon footprint. So I came to a couple of conclusions myself on why that might be. I thought that the reason that they're not really saying anything about it is probably because, partly because there's a booming fertility industry ready to help. So I think money definitely factors into this, right? Like they don't really care because it's like, hey, we'll just get people pregnant other ways. Um, and I mean, aren't we heading that way anywhere anyway, because like male and female are not meant to, uh, you know, they don't want them existing anymore. Remember that's a social construct. So, Hey, I guess they're just thinking everyone will go down the line of assisted fertility. Um, but I'm just wondering why that might be like, why are they continuing to be happy with the fact that all of our children are going to be conceived in a science lab? You know, why are they continuing to allow all of these chemicals when they know that they're actually harming us? And when there's something in nature that's harming nature or harming our endangered animals, they ban it, they stop it. And yet all of these things that are harming our male sperm count, they're doing nothing about. So let's have a a quick last minute, couple of minutes on what we can do about it, because I do want you to take heart. Okay, guys. Um, One thing I always want you to know is no matter what happens or what is happening, uh, we can take personal responsibility. And I think that's really important in this take in, in this case. So we definitely, obviously, as you know, being a Christian, I firmly believe that we've got God's protection and we've got our faith, but God has also given us a brain and common sense. So I think taking personal responsibility is huge in this. I think there's a lot of things that we can do to minimize our ingestion of chemicals. I mean, just try and break down your life, right? Think about every area of your life and where you can minimize these chemicals. Like think about the water that you drink. Like I've, Cameron and I've been talking about getting a, um, more than just a filter tap, but maybe getting, I don't know, something that's a little bit purifies your water even more. Um, also like how much water to, do you drink? So, cause obviously water is really great in flushing through toxins. Um, think about the pharmaceuticals that you take and try and minimize that. Um, you know, the whole, let food be thy medicine, be careful with what you eat, make sure you do have a healthy diet. Think about the things that you're putting on your skin. I mean, if you just think about your day and how many times you're touching, using, ingesting, putting on chemicals, try and minimize every which way that you can. So our whole family, um, a few months ago, like we all use, or and our friends are the same, all use like organic deodorants because again, it's like let your body sweat. So, you know, exercise and sweating it out is a good thing. Um, do exercise that you enjoy. For me, that's walking. The rest of my family love the gym. Um, you know, look at alternate things like chiropractors and massage. And I even feel weird saying it. Like some of you are going to be like, oh, Renee's such a hippie. Oh, you know, 
But do you know why? I want to challenge you if you're thinking that right now, because alternate practices and medicines have actually been demonized on purpose because you can't patent nature, right? A lot of the things that if you let food be thy medicine, a lot of the natural remedies to things, they're cheap and they can't make money out of them. So don't just comply to things just because something's on a schedule or you're told to do something. You know, don't just turn your nose up at at alternate kind of practices because I'm beginning to think more and more the weird one is not that. The weird people are not the ones that love all the alternate. The weird ones are the are, are the experts that are allowing us to be physically, humanly damaged with the way that we're living our lifestyle. That's just crazy to me. You know, even things like with your phone, get get your phone out your your pocket. Um, get lots of natural vitamin D. Um, you know, like I said, I refuse receipts now. I'm just like, nope, I'll just take a photo or I ask it to be emailed or I just say, don't worry about it. And like I said, guys, this is not freaky, okay? What is weird and freaky is that male sperm count is about to hit zero. That reproduction is going to be done in a lab. That is what's weird. So whatever has contributed to that, we have to do the opposite. And a lot of us might struggle with the thought of that, right? Because we've brought into this, you know, idea that if we do what we're told, that we're going to be kept safe and healthy. And this is just a phenomenal example that this is not true. So we have to be willing to think for ourselves, to get uncomfortable, to give up the conveniences, and maybe to have a bit of short-term pain, but for long-term gain. So, I mean, I've got a bunch of other ideas that I could share with you, but, you know, we've been running out of time. But if you guys have got a bunch of ideas of ways that you can minimize ingesting, um, you know, chemicals, then, you know, please jump on girlnextdoor.podcast and share them with me. Um, But another thing that we have to do, and I'll finish off with this. So another thing that we can do is to do exactly what we're doing now, which is to start asking questions. Like if you have listened to this and thought, oh my gosh, that's just like full on, please just go do your own research. And and if you can find something where I'm like, that's totally wrong, then let me know. But I, I did some pretty comprehensive research and, um, you know, ask questions and start having conversations with other people. Like I've said to a few people lately, I was with our best friends this week. I'm like, hey, grab your phones out. Google sperm count 2045. They nearly fell off their chairs. They're like, what? What the heck? So, you know, talk talk to people about it. Good um, good dinner table conversation. Um, you know, ask, do your own research. Why might the sperm count be declining? Um, why don't those who say that they are concerned about our health care about this? Um, you know, and push back a little bit, right? Because this is our future at stake. This is your future at stake. This is your kids' future at stake and your grandkids. This is like our future at stake. So, you know, even today, just to finish off with a bit of a funny story, um, when I'm, you know, once you turn 50, they send you this bowel cancer screening um, screening test thing that you have to do at home. And a friend of mine um, said, oh my gosh, look what I just got in the mail. I'm like, so they're really concerned about about your bowel. Sorry to really talk real today, guys, but they're really concerned about your bowel. But why aren't they just as concerned about male sperm? So to me, it's like there's a real misfire there, which makes me just 
ask a lot of questions. So I, I hope that I think this episode will leave you a bit like me, more questions than answers and more concern than, you know, solutions. Um, But that is the way that we make change. That is the way that we push back when we go, hang on a second, something's not right here. And, uh, you know, I look at my kids and I'm like, um, you know, I don't want my kids to not be able to have kids when they get married. Um, especially not to have them naturally. I want them to be able to have kids naturally. And so anyway, there we go. There we go, guys. So I hope that's really made you think today, but go do your own research. If you find some more stuff, please come along and uh, to girlnextdoor.podcast and share it with me. But uh, until next week or Friday, if you're coming along on Parenthood Friday, I love you guys. And thank you for being so brave with me and listening to this today. I can't wait to be with you next week. Until then, have a good one. Bye.